welcome to the Monsters and Mixers podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Amy. And I'm Emma. And today we are taking you on a trip to Ireland. So get your drinks ready and join us for a spooky adventure to Leap Castle. And our drink is 50-50 right now as to if we both like it or not. Emma does not particularly care for hers, but I like mine. You can find the recipe on our Facebook and Twitter. I'm not going to share it here. Got to go there and find it. Um, it, I think it's pretty decent. It's an Irish float, like Bailey's Irish float. Emma said she thinks it tastes like Guinness. Well, there's Guinness in it. I feel like that's all I can taste. It'd yeah. be, I would like it more, I think, if it was just a Bailey's Irish float. We'll have to try that next time. Yeah. It's pretty good. Before we get into today's episode, we really want to thank you all for helping us reach a major milestone for our little bitty podcast, and that is our 5,000th download, which is super exciting. Thank you. We really appreciate it and hope that you continue to listen and stick with us. We are going to try and get through this without, um, we had to start over because we've had sneezing, cats meowing, all kinds of glitches and things thus far. So we are not going to stop again because Emma's not having it right now. (laughs) We made it like four minutes in and we have to start all the way freaking over. She sneezed really loud and I have a feeling it would have scared the hell out of 90% of you listening because we were just talking in a normal tone and then it was hella loud. I did back up. Yeah, it, it was super loud. I backed up. Probably wouldn't have been that yeah. loud. But it is fall allergy time, so kind of what This year has just been full every season allergy time for me. Yeah. I've not had a season where I'm not sneezing my ass off. I think it's the amount of cats and things too that and you were around dogs last night that might be part of it too today was it around any dogs last night the puppy no yeah it doesn't i don't think so i feel like it might it's an everyday thing <laughs> so i don't think so oh goodness i don't know what that noise yeah, was disgusting <laughs> it's made like some gold <laughs> chortle who knows all right well we're gonna go ahead and just get through this and do our thing all right, so get your drinks ready if you have them. Um, if you're like me, you'll like it. And if you're not, if you're like Emma, you're not going to. So, sorry. <laughs> Win some, lose some. Last drink was hard to beat, I think. That's yeah, the no, thing. it's definitely the best one we've had, probably. Yeah. We're going to bring another version of that next time before we get into cider time. All right, so like I said, we are going to talk about Leap Castle, which is a partially ruined castle located six kilometers north of the town of Roscrea, Ireland. And it is dubbed the most haunted castle in the world. It has been the source of family feuds, brutal power struggles, executions, and mass murders for centuries. Now, today, brave paranormal researchers and ghost enthusiasts flock to the building in hopes of catching a glimpse of one of the many spirits who permanently reside inside the large stone walls. And I'm going to give you a little bit of history. I don't want this to be a history podcast because it's not but it's really hard to talk about hauntings especially castles and really old buildings in general without giving you some of the history because it's typically the history and things that have happened there that caused these hauntings or residual hauntings or whatever it is so the castle was built by the wealthy O'Bannon family somewhere between the late 12th century and the 15th century. It's really hard. There's not a whole lot of records okay, documenting. Vast time yeah. difference. There's not a lot of documents 
supporting when, because I'm sure they weren't really keeping paperwork and it's going off of like deeds and transfer deeds and things like that. Um, most people believe that it is probably 1250. That would be the date. Um, even before the castle was built, people were fighting over who would control the building and the riches and wealth associated with it. The O'Bannon brothers, one of which would inherit their father's wealth, concocted a plan, or actually it was more of a challenge, to determine which one of them would be the ultimate successor to their father. And their plan, I think, indicates neither one of them were too bright. Because according to the legend, the brothers decided they would both jump off a giant rock located on the grounds of the soon-to-be castle, and the survivor would get to control the building of the castle and the family clan. So that's awful. It is awful. One or both could have died. Well, yeah, I mean, and then you're just gonna have to. The other person's gonna be like, "Yeah, I watched my brother jump to his death." Yeah, it does not sound like for a, a very, building that we could have just shared. That doesn't even exist yet. It could have right. been a shit castle for all they know. It could have been built poorly. Who or it could have made them absolutely no money. Yeah, I don't know. Weird. And I mean, the only thing I could, I thought of when I was thinking about this Y'all is, kind of done like a thumb wrestle or something it would have been really funny if like one of them would have said okay one two three and just not jumped i mean that would be the only way to guarantee you're going to be the winner yeah, you have to pray that your brother actually dies though yeah i mean i don't know how big this rock is but it sounds like it was pretty big yeah yeah so it is completely unclear if either brother survived or if they one of them was the owner like i said there are no records to confirm a whole lot about this castle from the beginning but it was originally known as O'Bannon's Leap or some really hard to pronounce Irish thing Leem U Banane I don't even I'm pretty sure that's not close Is Irish a language um no, they speak English, they speak English but it's some really what is that I don't know Do you think it's like Celtic possibly Probably. It is something that I do not understand, nor can I pronounce it. No. It's weird looking. Almost no. looks German. Kind of. I don't, I don't know if there's a whole lot of German ancestry in Ireland. I would imagine not, especially at this time. Um, so, even though the O'Bannons were a super powerful family or clan, uh, the control over the castle once it was built did not last long. Uh, the O'Carrolls, a brutal family, took control of the castle not too long after it was built. There wasn't really much the O'Bannons could do to keep this from happening because they were pledged to the O'Carrolls. And as I was reading this, it kind of reminded me a lot of Game of Thrones. Like, you know, yeah, like the Starks who are in control and these people are, they're under these people and like, you know, the hierarchy of how yeah, that kind of thing works. And so the O'Carroll family used the castle for a bunch of really awful things. They massacred people. They had battles. When the leader of the O'Carroll family died of the plague, he did not name an heir or successor. So once again, the remaining sons began to battle over who would seize control of the castle. And I'm not going to discuss the details here because they come out later on when we talk about it in the hauntings. So after the O'Carrolls, two other families owned the castle, the Darbys and the Ryans. And the Ryans are actually the current owners of the castle, and they're trying to restore it back to its somewhat of its original 
splendor because it's been through a lot. Well, it's old as shit. It's old as shit, and we're about to talk about a few things that happened. It was set on fire. So the first thing that happened was on a Sunday morning on July 30th, 1922, a party of 11 raiders set fire to the leap, totally destroying the north and larger wing and most of the valuable contents in that part of it. So the caretaker was a guy named Richard Dawkins, and he was living there with his wife and his baby. And they were only pe- the, the only people in the castle that night and the only witnesses besides the angry mob that came and took care of it. Richard said that at 2.20 a.m. there was a knock on the door. He opened the window, put his head out, and saw men standing outside who stated they wanted a night's lodging. They ordered him to open the front door, and he did. I'm not sure why. He went down and opened the door, and then he was held at gunpoint. The raiders then told him what they were actually there for, which was to burn the castle down. And he somehow successfully pled with them to let him go get his wife and daughter and get them out of the castle. So they why said, "Why did they want to burn it?" I don't. It didn't say why they wanted to do it. I. I don't know if there's just because it's got such a bad history, people just kind of superstitious about the land, maybe. Um, After 20 minutes, that's the time he was allowed to go give, (laughs) I don't know where she's going. He was allowed to give the, um, get get them, like he was given that much time. The raiders went to the castle, broke a bunch of furniture, and poured gas all over the rooms. And then they set it on fire. They kept the family outside from 2.30 a.m. to 5 a.m. And then... Is it in the middle of nowhere? Like, there's no one around them who would see that this happened or was happening? I think it just... Nobody cared. I think I have very little knowledge as to why or how they were allowed to do it. Um, each of the men were either wearing trench coats, and it says other bandoliers, and had containers of gasoline and were armed. So... I don't know what a bandolier is. I think I thought I looked I it up. Yeah, I feel like I looked it up, but I don't remember. Um, after the fire, the main part of the building was still somewhat intact. So Richard Dawkins saved some of the furniture and stored it at one of the outbuildings. The out offices or outbuildings were later broken into and looted by people from the surrounding neighborhood who devoted... Sunday to making visits to the ruined building and carting home any serviceable art- articles that had escaped the fire. So this town just really, I don't know, fucking hates his castle, I guess. And they Which really were to go you'd in. you think like a building that's been in your town for that long would be like... Historic and you would have pride yeah, in it. Like Notre Dame. Yeah, but it was owned by a lot of really shit people. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe, like, yeah. No one, and you would imagine that like the clans... That owned it probably were not very nice to the other people in the area and probably were responsible for having killed some of their family off. And do you know if it's a town with like disproportionate wealth? I do not know. Because I could see that. Like if there's this one super massive extravagant uh, castle that's owned by all these rich families in a town with like poor people. I could see how people would not be too fond of it. If it's more of a crime of necessity than <laughs> anything. So sorry. Oh my god. We're not starting over again. It's Absolutely been, not. It's been 12 whole minutes now. <laughs> ah, that's it. That's Jesus. It. <laughs> What's really funny is every time she sneezes, our cat Olive, who is the most polite cat in the universe, <laughs> always blesses people. I don't know if you can hear her in the background going, meow, 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 meow. 
know if that's what she does every time anybody sneezes. She's like frightened. That's can you hear? <laughs> so, yeah, that's fun. All right, so I don't know why the people did it. I have no idea. So on Monday morning, July 31st, not too long after the original fire, Richard Dawson and his family, who had gone to live in the Gate Lodge, heard a knock at the door at 4.20 a.m. Men outside asked him for paraffin oil. He stated that he had none. The men then left and went down to the castle. When he went to the castle, he found that the southern part of the leap, which was the part that was not destroyed previously, was now on fire. So they set fire to it, looted it, and then set fire to it again. Again, yeah, these people really hate this castle. Richard could not get into the castle to save the valuable furniture and pictures that had survived the first. And all he managed to save were a few chairs and a sofa, which he stored in Burr. Where's that? I believe it's a town. His wife was the only one who gave him any assistance. The townspeople who showed up to watch the fire raging laughed when Dawkins asked for help. Yeah, so, these people must suck. Yeah, or, or who knows, maybe the people that lived there or owned it at the time suck. In a newspaper report, Jonathan... Oh, that's what I'm saying. The people who own it must oh, suck. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. everyone yeah. hate them so much. Yep. Um, it is said in a newspaper report that... There were explosives. It looked like there were explosive used, explosives used in destruction of the castle. And he had found some dynamite in the cellar where the raiders got so drunk they could not explode it. So they're like making it into a party. Weird. Party, party. Yeah. He, and he was the one that confirmed that it was the locals. And so there is the history. Now we get into the haunting, which stems from a lot of the things that happened in there are quite a few ghosts there. It's actually really interesting to read a lot of it. So, the Bloody Chapel. I swear to God, everything about this kind of reminded me of Game of Thrones. It's so weird. Did they, like, revitalize the castle at all after it burned down? Or they just left it in ruin? It's been pretty much left in ruin until the new guy bought it. And now he's trying to fix it. So, it's literally been, like, a rubble since 1922? A lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are parts that were still intact, like the chapel was still intact and things like that. But, like, the main living area of the castle was not in very good shape. So, the Bloody Chapel is the home to many of the spirits of Leap Castle. People passing the castle at night have reported bright light streaming out of the upper windows. And not, like, normal light. Just, like, some beacon coming out. Uh, this occurrence has been reported since the time of the Darby's. So, um, Jonathan Darby was the, Jonathan Darby II was a Cornwellian soldier who attained Leap Castle in 1649. He got it in lieu of payment for, for his services. And Jonathan and his wife, Deborah, had a son also named Jonathan. They all lived there together. Shortly after the castle was burned into ruin, the event began to be reported by people passing by. So, it had been going on for a long time, but then once... I guess people started going by to look at what had come of the castle and the fire. Then locals started saying they saw the light. Um, even now, neighbors have telephoned the Ryans, who are the current owners, and informed them of the chapel being illuminated. Strange smells of rubber have also been reported during people's visits to the upper hall. And one of the most well-known spirits 
is referred to as the O'Carroll priest. So remember the second family, how there was no heir and they were fighting about who was going to take over. After the death of Mulroney O'Carroll in 1532, a fierce power struggle developed with the remaining O'Carroll family. So the brothers all fought against each other to gain control of the castle and wealth. And legend says one of the O'Carroll brothers murdered his other brother, who was a priest. And the story goes that the priest was leading mass in the upper hall of the castle at the time of his murder. It is believed that the reason he was killed was because he started the mass before the arrival of his brother. And this was considered to be a great insult. Sounds like a really terrible reason to kill someone. Yeah. The angered O'Carroll then flew into a rage and slaughtered his brother where he stood in front of everybody he was leading mass to. The priest has been seen on many occasions in the bloody chapel. The spirit has also been seen lurking on the stairway below and also leaving the chapel and traveling down the northern stairs. And we are going to take a little break there so I can enjoy some of this beverage and we'll be right back. sinister features of the bloody chapel is the oubliette. The oubliette is a small chamber located in the northeastern corner of the bloody chapel. The entrance to the chamber is nothing more than a narrow hole with a trap door over it. It is thought that the original use for these chambers was to store and hide valuables for protection in the event of a siege. So kind of a pretty common thing I would think in a castle like put your stuff there. But the O'Carrolls used their chamber for a much more sinister purpose. They modified the chamber to serve as a small dungeon where prisoners were thrown in, either dead or still dying. Once someone was thrown into the oubliette, oubliette they were not given another thought. They were just left down there to either starve or bleed out or whatever. Um, which is kind of fitting, considering the French translation of the word is to forget. So, it's like a forgotten place. The O'Carrolls were said to be an extremely cunning and brutal clan, stopping at nothing to achieve domination. Legends tell of several occasions where the O'Carrolls would employ other clans as mercenaries to kill off nearby threats. And then upon completion of their job, the mercenaries would be feeling all good and proud of what happened and they were invited back to Leap Castle for a celebratory feast. And instead of a feast, they were poisoned and their throats were cut. Why? Yeah. Um, Is these, inside info? These people were just freaking brutal. They were terrible. If you're no Carol, I apologize for speaking ill of your kin. Like but, in New York yeah, shit. but they were terrible. <laughs> um, then they tossed their corpses into the oubliette. Um, 39 of the O'Neill clan are said to be disposed of in this fashion. In 1599... Another deadly deed occurred at Leap Castle. Charles O'Carroll, the last chieftain at Leap, was at war with the Earl of Tyrone and hired the McMahon. How do you say that? McMahon? McMahon. I don't know. McMahon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clan from Montague. Montagan. As Montague. Mercy. <laughs> the Capulets and the Montagues <laughs> hired them as mercenaries. After they had fought for him, the O'Carrolls held a feast for the mercenaries again. They were then murdered in their sleep. 
So they are said to haunt the Great Hall of Leap Castle. Don't you think, like, word would get out? Not like, hey, all these mercenaries went to this place for a feast and we haven't seen any of them. Maybe don't do it. I would imagine that mercenaries probably travel together as, like, a group. And typically those people that become mercenaries don't have outside family. They would actually be the perfect target for killing without having to be held accountable. I guess. And what are you going to do? Go confront them? They'll just... No, give you I, a I would just think that like turkey after, leg and kill you too. <laughs> after a while, people would stop going there. You would think, but apparently they did not. Um, during the occupation of Leap Castle by the Darbies, the oubliette was cleaned and the contents were removed. It is believed that three cartloads of skeletons were removed from the oubliette during this period, which is a lot of bones and bodies. Some believe that since this gruesome discovery, an emotional shockwave was sent through the castle and then the many spirits, including one we're going to talk about later called the Elemental, were woken from their dormancy. So, I mean, you and I have talked about that before with lots of other things that sometimes a really horrible event can happen and then it's like usually once it's rediscovered that it starts kind of drawing the spirits out. Yeah, probably upsets Mm-hmm. Or their body's just been taken. And yeah. so they, you know, they're not no longer at rest or at peace. Head. <laughs> yeah, that's mine. I feel like we shouldn't make fun of that. That's kind of mean. <laughs> All right. Um, there is too also. <laughs> too soon. Well, I don't know. This was a long time ago. <laughs> exactly. But still. All right. The priest house is also known to be very haunted. And I believe it's the same priest that was killed. Since the burning of Leap Castle in 1922, the priest's house is still an empty shell, so most of the accounts relate back to the times of the Darbys. Most of the stories that we're going to hear are usually told from Mr. Darby's wife. Um, She had quite the list of spirits that she saw. Um, At present, shadowy forms are most seen wandering through the empty building. Mildred Darby, who I was just talking about, described the following apparitions when she was alive and living at Leap Castle. She, quote, said, There is something heavy that lies on people's beds and snores, and they feel the weight of a great body pressing against them in a room in the priest's house. A burly man in rough clothes like a peasant. He always pushes a heavy barrel up the back stairs of the wing, even near, near the servants' bedrooms. And when, just at the top, the barrel rolls down and all of it disappears. A monk with a tonsure and cowl walks in at one window and out another in the priest's house. So she said there's quite a bit going on there. A monk? A monk. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird because priests and monks are... I don't know. I mean, I... monks in Ireland? Probably. I'm sure there's monasteries. And some people you use those terms interchangeably weird because yeah, like maybe at that time she maybe she's talking about a religious figure yeah. possibly and then there's this room called the murder hole room <laughs> <I know. laughs> so creative yeah it's also referred to as the muckle hole room if you prefer that uh various experiences have been reported in the time of the darbies again Unfortunately, it is not known where this room was located because of all the burning and whatnot. The two possibilities of the room's locations are either the north or south wings, the blue and red rooms, respectively. So, 
electric. What do you think of when you hear of the um, Red Room? Fifty Shades of Grey. No. <laughs> That's what I think of. Really? I think of Haunting of Hill House. Oh, yeah. Nell's in the Red Room. I think of Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, I was thinking of, I immediately thought of Haunting this, of Hill House. I'm kind of like imagining the house in Hill House when you're saying this, mm-hmm. even though I'm sure it's way bigger. It is bigger. You can look up pictures. It, it's pretty cool. I think it's just like the whole medieval mm-hmm. whatever kind of makes me think of it. Very gothic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one argument for the south wing being where this is, is that the south side of the tower, the original entrance features a macro location. So it's in medieval fortification. Macro Yeah. Um, it is often in medieval fortifications or castles, and it's an opening between the supporting corbels of a projecting paraffin of the vault or a gate. So I did look this up and it's, you know, when you see, um, on shows where they're like fending off people from their castle and they put the cannon through a hole. Yeah. That's what this is. Cause I was like, this makes no damn sense. It's where like, if they're going to pour hot oil out, they would do it from that. Is there a moat? I don't know. I don't think so. I think after a while they'd want to put one off. Can't keep all the crazy townies from burning yeah. their shit down. I don't think there's quite as much of a problem there now. Um, the murder hole room may have been situated on the ner- northern or blue wing. I don't know why. They, I, it just makes no sense. I can't figure out. Um, looking at the layout, the northern rooms are under the oubliette located on the next floor up. The oubliette could have quite easily been referred to as a murder hole, which makes sense. This also ties into the spirit of the murdered O'Carroll priest and the account below. So another Mildred story. I put my hand out of bed, snapping my fingers to call her Nell. So she had a terrier named Nell and she was kind of snapping her hands. Is Hill House. Kind of, yeah. Sorry, my throat's getting raw. I gotta take a drink. My hand was suddenly in the grasp of another hand. A soft, cool hand at a temperature perceptibly below my own flesh. To say I was astonished would but mildly convey my feelings. After a few seconds of steady pressure, the other hand let go. And almost simultaneously, I heard a heavy sliding fall, like the collapse of a large body at the foot of the bed. Then in the absolute stillness of the room, there sounded a deep human groan, in some half-articulated words or, to be accurate, prayers. People have complained before, in fact. We don't generally put anyone there now. The room is called the Muckle or Murder Hole Room, and the story goes that the stain on the floor is the blood of a man stabbed there by his brother, which is why they think it might be the priest. (coughs) Excuse Excuse me, I'm getting dry throat, man. Two O'Carrolls quarreled over the ownership of the castle. The room had been disused for 50 years or more when we did it up. The stain has been painted off the boards several times, but always comes again creeping up from the below in a few hours. So, Are these like journal entries? She was interviewed by a um, magazine on hauntings. and when? she. Uh, I mean, I would imagine it was a while ago because they owned the house before the fire so it had to be 
1800s. Magazines? Like a publication, it said. Yeah, there were magazines and publications way back. Oh, newspapers? Google, when was the first magazine? We'll find out. It's just weird that they would even be open about talking about stuff like that you'll, in particular. You'll find out later why. Um, okay, so there's the spirit there called the Red Lady. And again, my Game of Thrones thing was going off. There's a Red Lady there, too. <coughs> One of the spirits encountered from Fort next don't. So much for our five thousand downloads. This is it. This is our last episode ever. Um can I can I start? Yes. Okay. One of the spirits encountered from the time of the Darby's is known as the Red Lady. She has been described as a very tall woman clothed in a red dress. If she was wearing another color, it would be quite silly. Right. She has been seen carrying a dagger in her hand, raised in a menacing manner. A strange luminescence is seen radiating from her. People encountering the spirit have commented on an immense cold feeling. Uh, mince cold filling the room and permeating into their heart. It is thought that the woman was captured by an O'Carroll and subsequently assaulted. And the baby born as a result was then killed by the O'Carroll, reasoning that they could not afford to feed the child. Yeah, right. Yeah. Distraught, the woman then killed herself with the same blade. So the one that was, I guess the one that she's seen carrying. A guest of the Darby's submitted their account to the Occult Review. So this is what um, the, I the guess writings the, the writings, yeah. yeah. On the 31st of October, so on Halloween, I went to my bedroom at about 11 p.m. During the night, the time was 12.45 a.m. And I subsequently saw by my watch, as I subsequently saw by my watch, sorry. I was kind of confused too. It felt like watches were like, should have been a thing then too but i guess i'm just really bad at when things were invented right. <laughs> figure they were looking at sundials and shit still i don't know i felt that i was awakened by somebody in my room I, it was pitch dark and at first i could see nothing i was wide awake with an extraordinary cold feeling at my heart that rapidly increased in intensity almost immediately i felt as much as saw that there was a tall figure in the middle of my room my first impression was that O'Connell himself was there and no other member of the household would correspond to the height. What is it? I asked. There was no answer. But now I could see dimly at first and with increasing distinctness that the tall figure was clothed from head to foot in red and with its right hand raised menacingly in the air. To my utter astonishment, I could see that the light switch, the light which illuminated the figure was from within having very much the effect of the dark lantern used in a photographer's room as the figure advanced towards me the light increased and i could see distinctly that the form was that of a very tall woman holding some sort of a weapon knife or dagger in her hand what is it i asked again adding who is it and then hurriedly struck a match and lit my candle as the flame of the matching candle illuminated the room, I looked all around, and the room was empty. So, she sounds scary as heck. I mean, it 
She does. She should be. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Yeah, I'd be really mad, I'd too. Be, I'd start terrorizing men, too, probably. <laughs> be like, you get no sleep forever. <laughs> also, why are you asking her so many questions? Who is it? Who are you? What is it? What is it? She is not answering you. No. Well, I mean, I guess that's natural just to want to have the thing communi- or person communicate back so you're not scared. And that's what I do. I'm like, what is it? <laughs> Who's there? It almost be scarier if she replied. Yeah. Show yourself. Um, okay. There are two young girls who have also been seen at Leap Castle. They are mainly seen playing in the main hall and running up the stairwell. They are believed to have lived at the castle during the 1600s. Emily died age 11 after falling from the castle's southeastern battlements. People outside the castle have reported seeing a girl falling off the castle roof and disappearing before hitting the ground. Charlotte has been seen with a deformed leg that drags backwards behind her. Poor Charlotte. What the heck? No, it's sad. Mildred Darby has also seen a young girl at Leap Castle, and her encounter is as follows. Another night, I was sleeping with my little girl. I awoke and saw a girl with long, fair hair standing at the fireplace, on one hand at her side, the other on the chimney piece, one hand at her side. Thinking at first it was my little girl, I felt on the pillow to see if she were gone, but she was fast asleep. There was no fire or light of any kind in the room. So she saw the poor little girl. Oh, it makes me sad to think that that kid's living there. Mildred's giving me Amityville horror vibes. Yeah. One being... She's lying her ass off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're stupid. Uh, Why is it like the only people who document anything are people connected to her? Uh, maybe, be- her. maybe because she kept a like-minded crowd around who was willing to discuss things like that. Yeah, also they have watches, but the light they have is fire and candles. Yeah, I'm. I'm I mean, I've seen the time frame here. I've seen lots of things where people have pocket watches, like riding stagecoaches and shit. So I think the watch came out a long time ago. Before the light bulb. I mean Edison, (laughs) right? Edison invented a light bulb, and like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Why are you asking me I'm all just these things? By the timeline, maybe I just have it wrong in my head. Maybe. Maybe I'm thinking it's like way longer ago you know, than it actually was. We need a history teacher to call in and set us straight on some of these things. Yeah. Also, how dare that guy? Or we can just Google say it. that he they didn't have money to feed the baby. Right. You're living in a freaking big ass castle. Castle. You're royalty. He was probably married. It was probably some side affair. You know. Probably, but what a shitty excuse. And. Um, your dad said watches were invented in the early 1500s. Okay. Yeah. So, and it also probably then gives you someone else that you have to put into the running of, like, owning your stuff if you pass away. And if you have what many would consider legitimate heirs with your wife, they're not going to want to have an unwed pregnancy popping up and complicating things. Yeah. Plus, they really weren't that great. No, they're awful. Yeah. Um, There's another woman who was, she's called the murdered woman. She has been seen and heard since the time of the Darby's residence. She is believed to have been murdered by an O'Carroll. Shocking. Yeah, I know. 
Um, Mildred Darby described her in her article submitted to the Occult Review. So Mildred also. Um, it's a cat scratching on the. I think it's your cat in the cat house. <laughs> what is happening in this place? <laughs> Pandemonium. It's just a nice, quiet Sunday. Gosh. So Mildred, Mildred also spoke to the Occult Review. It's cool that an Occult Review existed. I know. So there is a woman with very few clothes and a red cloth over her face. She screams loudly twice and disappears, which sounds really scary. She described a similar spirit in the book, True Irish Ghost Stories, St. John D. Seymour. One night I was sitting talking with my governess. I got up, said goodnight, and opened the door, which was on the top of the black staircase. Back As I, staircase. Oh, I'm sorry. Back. Sorry. As I did so, I heard someone, a woman, come slowly upstairs, walk past us to a window at the end of the landing, and then with a shriek, fall heavily. As she passed, it was bitterly cold, and I drew back into the room, but did not say anything, as it might frighten the governess. Also witnessed in a reenactment of the, also witnesses a reenactment of the two of the O'Carroll brothers fighting over a lover, so they think it might be the screaming woman. The scene, or many people think it's like a residual haunting, like just playing over and over and over again. The two men are fighting, and the woman is chased along the gallery where she is stabbed. And then the trio disappears, and the entire keep lights up. So everything gets like super illuminated. Which could be that what people are seeing when they pass by, and that light's, you know, like illuminating. Yeah. That might be what that is. Um, Sean Ryan, the present owner, has also heard a woman screaming. So it's been confirmed by somebody other than Mildred. The governess or nanny is more frequently seen in the main hall and often seen with the two girls, Emily and Charlotte. It appears that visitors at Leap seem to have more interaction than the current owners. So the owners don't really have a lot of interaction. But... They may just not be quite as open, you know, to accepting or talking about it. They're probably of, not there as often either. I think they live there. Um, How? To, because they've re, redone parts, <coughs> redone you said parts it's of it. Ruin. Yeah, they're redoing it. They're re, you think they're living there while they're redoing it? Possibly. I mean, it's a pretty big endeavor. Um, guests have reported being touched or having someone brush past them. A friend of Sean Ryan was having lunch at Leap Castle one day, and both he and a female guest sitting near the fire saw a proud lady in Victorian attire walking diagonally across the main hall. After discussing what they both saw, they figured out that they both had had the same experience. The event caused both people, who were once skeptics of the paranormal, to become like adamant believers. So it was like one of those life-changing things for them where now they completely believe in the supernatural. An old man has been seen numerous times sitting peacefully by the fire in the main hall. Sounds kind of nice. Just chilling by a fire for eternity. Reading a book, smoking your pipe. <laughs> you can't nod your head. No one can hear you. Gosh. Um, Mildred described this man also. She said, there is a little old man with a green cutaway coat, knee breeches, and bright shoe buckles holding a leather bag in his hand. Sometimes seen with a little old woman with skinny hands, long black mitts, old-fashioned dress, and a big headdress. Both are sometimes seen with an old man dressed like a priest, with an intensely cunning face. The green old man tries to stop people. 
tries to get him to like stop and talk to him. Sounds kind of so, nice. I know. And then there is the elemental. Are you familiar with elemental spirits and yeah, like what people think? Yeah. So if you have not listened to any of our previous things where we talk about elementals, they are thought to be entities that are not living people. They're not ghosts they or things. Human. They were never human. Many people believe that they just always have been here. Like they've always been part of the world. This elemental is really, um, it's one of the more interesting spirits that reside at Leap Castle. It's an entity that is shrouded in mystery and intrigue. The first encounter, origin, and exact nature of the elemental, um, they're all unknown. But there are many theories that have circulated over the years. As mentioned, the time of its, its first appearance is not certain, but there have been vague mentions of a troublesome spirit at Leap Castle since very early times. One early belief is that the elemental was put there by druids long before the castle, which there's a lot of people that believe that druids are responsible for a lot of the elementals that exist. And that it was originally to protect the sacred site used for initiations and druidic magic. I always love the way they spell things a little different in other countries. Magic with a K. Another theory is that the elemental was placed there by an invading force to burn the castle from the inside. The person responsible is thought to be Gerald Fitzgerald, <laughs> I know, Earl of Kildare. He was a renowned magic practitioner and had attempted to take over the castle on several, several occasions. Local myths say that the elemental is the spirit of an ancient O'Carroll who died in the castle from leprosy, but that wouldn't really fit into anything we know about elementals the reason for them thinking that is that it has decomposing facial features and an appalling stench that accompanies its presence so when people see it it smells real bad which is common in a lot of hauntings too like especially demonic in nature uh, Mildred Darby was said to have dabbled in the occult so earlier you asked why she would be the one, you know, like talking and all seeing all these things. And she was very, very open to occult practices. Some think that she was the one that awoke the elemental because she was dabbling in lots of dark arts and she may have either accidentally or on purpose summoned the elemental. It was around this time that the horrific discovery of the oubliette was made. Three and the three cartloads of bones were taken out which is approximately 150 bodies and the huge release of emotional energy linked to the spirits and the oubliette upon their discovery may have been enough to wake up the dormant spirit which i think is actually a pretty solid theory that it was given some energy from all those other spirits as they were kind of coming through what do you think yeah no it's very possible yeah also she's probably responsible for a good portion of the hauntings in that place then since she right, was yes. dabbling i would assume that it's also like makes sense why she's like one of the only people who has experiences that mm -hmm. are documented i wonder if she's um because it doesn't say i mean I, the occult is typically black magic it's usually not um no i would think it during this point in time yeah, most likely they said she was doing seances i mean that's the occult so she could have just been doing like ouija board stuff maybe or doesn't um, have to have like a 
negative or dark intent. or negative connotation to it. I guess I just always consider or have a maybe that's just me having a negative perception of the word occult. It always well, I mean, seems like to... Wicca and Wiccan is the occult. Well, that's true. And it's a white magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever the entity is, it only seems to make its presence known when people begin to provoke it. The current owners, the Ryans, have lived at Leap since 1991 and have never felt the elemental. The belief behind the Ryans and other guests not seeing the elemental is that Mildred Darby was unknowingly provoking the elemental by her occult dabbling. Especially since the uh, only other people who have had frightening encounters with the elemental's wrath have also been looking for it and have attempted to study the entity. There are very few personal accounts of an encounter with the elemental, and those that do exist seem to change depending on how gifted it of a seer the person was. So an accurate description, other than the little bit that we talked about, like the smell and the decomposing flesh, is really not known. The best descriptors we have are those given by Mildred Darby and an associate staying at the Leap. You want to read this part? So this is the description as written in the Occult Review article. Um, called, was That's the name of the article? Kilman Castle, the House of Horror? Kilman Castle. Um, I think, didn't they say something about one of the people being named Kilman? I have no idea. Anyways, suddenly two hands were laid on my shoulders. I turned around sharply and saw, as clearly as I see you now, a gray thing, standing a couple of feet from me with its bent arms raised as if it were cursing me. I cannot describe in words how utterly awful the thing was. Its very undefinableness rendering the horrible shadow more gruesome. Human in shape, a little shorter than I am, I could just make out the shape of big black holes like great eyes and sharp features, but the whole figure, head, face, hands, and all was gray, unclean, bluish gray, something of the color and appearance of common cotton wool. But oh, so sinister, repulsive, and devilish. My friends who are clever about occult things say it is what they call an elemental. Yeah, and this is somebody, like... The thing was about the size of a sheep, thin, gaunt, and shadowy in parts. Its face was human, or to be more accurate, inhuman, in its vileness. With large holes of blackness for eyes, loose, slobbery lips, and a thick saliva dripping jaw. Slopping back, suddenly... Sloping back, suddenly into its neck. Nose it had none, only spreading cancerous cavities, the whole face being a uniform tint of gray. This, too, was the color of the dark, coarse hair covering its head, neck, and body. Its forearms were thickly coated with the same hair, so were its paws, large, loose, and hand-shaped, and it sat on its hind legs. One hand or paw was raised, and a claw-like finger was extended, ready to scratch the paint. Its lusterless eyes, which seemed half-decomposed and looked incredibly foul, stared into mine. And the horrible smell, which had before offended my nostrils, such a good way to word that, only a hundred times intensified, came up to my face, filling me with a deadly nausea. I noticed the lower half of the creature was indefinite and seemed semi-transparent at least. I could see the framework of the door that led into the gallery through its body. Yeah, so it it almost, I hate to say it, but it almost kind of sounds like a werewolf. Yeah. Like having gray hair covering its whole body and things like that it seems very animal-like and not so much human-like to me i also wonder why it would be like evil if it was put there to protect the land why would it be so dark because it's trapped there and probably doesn't want to have to be the gatekeeper of a castle do you think like maybe it's not actually dark but 
or evil, but they just feel like it is because it looks the way it does? Maybe, or they're just scared. I mean, I'd be terrified if I woke yeah. up and saw that. Yeah. Uh, a letter in response to Kilman Castle article also relates a personal encounter while staying at the castle. I saw your eyes fixed upon something above our, above our heads. And the next minute, my own eyes were filled by the sight of a thing in the gallery looking down at us. There was plenty of light from the lamps in the hall and the one above on the wall at the corner of the gallery. For every one of us to see quite plainly the gray-colored figure about the height of a small grown-up person looking down at us. I wish I thought I could ever forget the sight of that gray figure with dark spots like holes in its head instead of eyes. Standing with gray arms folded on the gallery railing looking down at, at us. Then just as he put foot on the gallery, the thing that... He, he saw was there, that we were watching, suddenly faded out of sight. The thing did not move, only became less and less visible until it vanished. So it def it's definitely creepy, really scary thing. Um, the above account is a good cross-reference to the letter Mildred Darby sent to Sidney Carroll. She wrote a lot of letters. I feel like Mildred was probably very lonely. This is also like the time of letters. Yeah, I know, but... From some of the things I read, I'm not sure her husband was the most... Yeah, um, where is he? Yeah, was any of his? The most present husband. So she wrote, The last appearance of the Elemental were on November 25th, 1915. And I d deduct again last November from the gate of my husband, really wild with rage. We're going to talk about him. With, with rage or fright. Coming into my room at midnight to let fly at me for, again, dressing up things to try and frighten me or him. So he thinks she's like... She's this before? <laughs> no. He he sees things and thinks that she's tricking him. Like, having people dress up to, like, scare him. Which, maybe she was a jokester or maybe he just didn't I'm want to admit things. I married this freaking goth witch and now <laughs> I am being terrorized. And she keeps sending things to spy on me. On the... On the 25th of November, 1915, two of our servants, known, knowing the master, would be late and that I was driving that afternoon, had invited friends over, two soldiers from the barracks at Burr. So, Burr's a town. Distant, um, it's about six miles away. They came rather late and my husband came home early, so the visitors had to be kept out of sight in the lower regions of one of the wings, or in the priest house. And were, and were unable to be shown the center tower or the very lofty hall. So I'm guessing he's not a very kind person. People seem kind of afraid of him. At 7.15, my husband and I went up to dress for dinner. My room in extremity of house from kitchen's, kitchens. His dressing room next door to me. Whilst dressing, I was startled by a loud yell of terror-stricken male and female voices coming apparently from the hall and ran out to see the cause. My husband was out ahead of me at his, he at his heels. I passed through the corridor wing and onto the gallery wing round two sides of the hall. Two lamps in gallery, two more in hall below. On the gallery leaning with hands resting on its rail, I saw the thing, the elemental, and smelt it only too well. At the same moment, my husband pulled up sharply about 10 feet from the thing and half turning let fly a volley of abuse at me ending up, quote, dressing up a thing like that to try and make me make a fool of me. And now you'll say I've seen something and I have not seen anything and there is nothing to see or ever was. 
This last speech without a pause, he began waving one hand at the thing and ended up by stalking back to his dressing room, still abusing me for trying to give him a fright. So she was trying to convince him that there was something there and he just wouldn't listen. So he thinks that she's just going to have people just dress up and jump out and be like, boo, I'm a ghost. Um, as he was speaking to the element, as he was speaking, the elemental grew fainter and fainter in its outlines until it disappeared. By the sounds from my husband's room, I jumped, I judged he was employed as I was myself in preparing an empty spot for our coming dinner. Okay, the way these people write is horrendous. I know, it's hard to do. Um, I feel like I'm reading Chaucer. He never made it any inquiry as to the yell that called us out, both out. Yeah, which, why would you not be like, hey, what are other people yelling about? He yeah. just assumes it's her. And from that day to this has not mentioned the incident to me. I heard from our servants that when we went to dress for dinner, they had brought their friends just to show them the hall when all four had suddenly seen and smelt the elemental looking down at them from the gallery. It must really smell if you can, like, smelling from that yeah, far away. Yeah, how would he justify the smell? Like, oh, you dressed this person up and you're making them, like, stink? Co yeah, covered them in rotting flesh so they'd smell bad. I also don't think costumes were that great back in the day to make it look <laughs> believable believable yeah um they continued we all got such a turn we couldn't help letting out a ball then fled to the servants quarters where all four were very sick the two maids had letters letters stating necessity of their going home the next day and they did not return so i mean obviously there's something there they were so scared that they quit and said hell no not doing it um all right and this is a modern day account it was described from an individual who went there during a, to do a paranormal investigation in June of 2002. They said, I traveled to Leap Castle in order to make a show for a local TV network, and this was my first time in the notorious castle I had heard so much about. So the show went well, but I wanted to try the UV on the camcorder while still shoot, shooting. I had sent something down the old access to the battlements earlier and never went down. I climbed the stairs with the camcorder in front. The light from the UV allowed me to see about six feet ahead and no more, so I climbed slowly. I opened the Gothic-style door and made my way slowly down the narrow passage. About ten feet in, I thought I saw something move and I lifted my head. I could feel something was wrong, but I had no idea what. This time with the camera dropped... I thought I saw a glow come from around the corner and then it went back in. I stood and studied this for a while and thought it may be a side effect of the UV, which can be common. A few steps more and my body was weakening fast. It was a strange sensation. Suddenly this mass of white-like mist raced around the corner like a bowl. Even the rubbish on the floor scattered as it approached at speed. The passage was tight and I turned to my left to try and get out but it was too late. I felt the pain as if something had just pierced under my right rib cage and went all the way through to my back. This started me a little and we a little and we proceeded to arrange shooting in the cellars. The audio refused to tape again in the cellars and I felt really odd. I was sweating heavily and was becoming very weak and drowned in dread. Right after the incident in the tunnel, it felt as if a hole in my chest had been punctured on a spiritual level and my life was seeping into the stones. 
In order to describe it and let the reader understand, they would have had to experience a large blood loss sometime in their lives. As they felt the blood drain, this weakness would become prominent. Other words they were experiencing, in other words, they were experiencing the onset of death. I was dying. So literally felt like they were dying. Yeah. So there's a few more personal encounters, but this is kind of running long, so I think I'm gonna skip a few of them and maybe read the last one. Yeah. Alright. So this is a personal encounter with the elemental on the 18th of June, 2006. I looked into the darkness of a corridor that exited the spiral stairway. I became aware of the smell of sulfur. It was as if boxes and boxes of matches had suddenly been lit at once. I love that smell. I looked at my friend who had taken me to visit Leap Castle. He could also smell the sulfur. I stared into the darkness of the corridor and had the impression that a beast like a bear or lion was staring back at me. The tension was rising like a ticking time bomb. My friend then closed the door and said to let sleeping dogs lie, meaning sometimes you just have to leave things alone. He was a friend of Sean Ryan, and I certainly did not want to disrespect either of them by stirring up the elemental. Yeah, I completely agree. The elemental has the potential to cause great harm to anyone receiving the brunt of an attack. One belief is that the elemental has the ability to alter the atmospheric pressure Generally lowering, generally lowering it. Low, oh my gosh, lowering <laughs> it. The polarity of atmospheric ions fluctuates and triggers a condition known as serotonin hyperfunction syndrome. This can cause symptoms such as heart palpitations, nausea, vomiting, sweating and chills, tremors, dizziness, and fatigue. It has also seen. It has also been seen that skin and hair will have an electrical charge. This theory has been generated over the last 10 years and it is interesting to note similarities between these symptoms to those described by Mildred Darby in the early 1900s. I felt every hair on my head separate and move for my flesh all over my body and scalp crept and every hair on my head stood straight on end. The absolute weakness that came over me, the seeming cessation of the pulses of life, the grip in heart and brain, the deadly numbness which rendered me incapable of thought, word, or action when I first saw that awful beast. Yeah, it sounds... Paralyzing. Yeah, it sounds really scary. Like, well, what was that one thing we talked about when you... I think you were talking about the prison. It sounds like that. The um, thing that climbs on the ceiling and stuff. Uh, what was that one called? The um, lurker? Yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something. It sounds like that. Kind Is of. that an Eastern State pen? Yeah. It sounds very similar. And I almost think a lot of people think that might be an elemental also because it doesn't really have much human characteristics mm -hmm. it's just yeah i i kind of wonder too why um we don't have any news of mildred like being there i would think as much as she was into the occult and as many experiences i would think she would be maybe one of the newer ghosts that live there i don't know it almost kind of seems like the people who own it now don't really believe in that stuff or yeah well they it's still open for paranormal investigations and things people go there all the time so they must believe maybe a little bit or or they're using the money to um, from that stuff to help do the repairs. I'm not 100% sure. She probably doesn't want to be there. Probably not. I don't blame her. She didn't like it when she was living there. So she probably didn't want to be there in the afterlife. And her husband. And she was very like open, it seems. So she probably. Yeah. And I, I wonder if she started getting into the occult because of things she saw there. Or if it was the it other way around. It seems like she was probably already into it. Yeah. I mean, kind of, kind of like me. Which I, is like pretty... Um, Taboo for the time. Yeah. I'm surprised she wasn't thrown in a 
burned as a witch. Asylum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can't think... I honestly, like, speaking from my own personal experience, cannot remember a time where I was not engrossed in learning more about ghosts and spirits. It's, well, yeah. I mean, for as long as I remember, it's always like been that way. tempting them the way she was. I don't know. I mean, I guess she could kind of make an argument. We did do the... Seems like she's We did do the like seance and stuff. all the time. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Sounds like a cool castle. I'd like to go if I ever make it to Ireland. Yeah. I'd like to go investigate. I would just like to see a building that's been there that long. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, I'll post some pictures of it if I can find some that aren't going to get me thrown in jail for violating copyright. <laughs> you can't just take a Google picture? I don't know. There's lots of rules. I don't know them all. <laughs> we shall we'll, see. We'll be okay with the pictures. Um, all right. Well, thank you for listening to the Monsters and Mixers podcast. Please follow us on our socials on Facebook at Monsters and Mixers Pod, on Twitter at Monsters Mixers, and on Instagram at Monsters and Mixers Podcast. Like and follow us on your preferred listening platform. Leave a five-star rating and send us those stories via email at monstersandmixers2 at gmail.com or at one of the socials mentioned. See you next time when we dive into another terrifying tale and concoct a new delicious drink to wash down the horror. Now get out there and meet some ghosts. And make some toasts.